0: We are, um, last week we, we tried to get the idea that in relationships with each other, we tend to focus on the other individual and what they need to do to change, to meet our needs or make us happy. And anytime there seems to be a conflict in any relationship, whether it's uh, your friend or coworker or, or spouse or child or parent, whatever that relationship is, we tend to default to just thinking that they need to change because they're the one that's wrong. And we tried to refocus last week, like like there's a lot that we need to be working on and we're the ones that have the ability to change ourselves and there are things that God is trying to work at in our own lives to make us who we're supposed to be. And if we would focus on ourselves, it empowers us to actually make a difference in this relationship rather than just looking to the other person. So we're trying to fix our focus. And um, my intention was this second week to work on more of the dynamics between you and whoever that other individual is. What I'd like to do is instead is work on that next week. And this week, what I would love to do is get ourselves on, um, on task to focus on the relationship that we have with the Lord and how that affects our relationship. Because I feel like we still have this tendency to want to fix the other person whenever we have any kind of a conflict. And I think that if we would change our focus, it'll make a big difference in how we view the relationships that we do have and we said last week that, that uh, we look at other people's relationships or we have this idea in our mind of this is how we want our relationship to look. This is what we, this is what we envisioned, whether it's because of something you saw or, or something that you read or, or an example that, that you see in somebody else, and that's the kind of relationship that you want to have. And what we don't realize is that that is possible, but it just takes a lot of effort. And great relationships take great... Effort, And so this idea of some assembly required is that the relationships that you are in currently, whether it's your best friend, whether it's your boyfriend, whether it's your parent, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your boss or coworker, whether they're in the cubicle next to you, whether in the same living room with you or whether you commute with them to work, whatever those relationships are, they are critical to living out our purpose here on earth. And relationships are so important to our Christian life. I don't think I put this in your notes, but I had this thought this week, that Christianity is lived out in relationships. Like that's where it happens. And so often we focus on what the other people can do to make our life better or the things that they need to work on, or, 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 or. here's what I love. I love when Christians spiritualize the relationship and they say, they say that uh, they, they have the ability to interpret scripture for the other person <laughs> because that means they don't have to apply it to their own life or make any changes themselves, right? But that's how we all tend to be. But how we treat each other says more about our faith than what we say we know. That's a big statement. Because I have met a lot of Christians who probably know more Bible than me. But to be quite honest with you, some of the meanest people I've ever met were Christians and i don't doubt their salvation i just doubt their relationship and and the truth of the matter is they can be unhappy and they can be mean and they can read their Bible every day and they can really believe what they are reading and they can still go to church and, and get all of this goodness and it just doesn't seem to soak in and it doesn't seem to change who they are. And I'm telling you, it, I almost feel this way. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not confident enough to say this is exactly what I completely believe, but I almost feel like I would rather have you know less Scripture and do more then you learn more and continue to do nothing. Like I would rather you just start doing what you already stinking know you're supposed to do than you sit here and want to know what the 10th toe on the statue in Daniel means or what the fifth seal is in the book of Revelation. That's all good stuff, that's fine, But why do you want to know that stuff if you're not doing anything with it to help your relationships? Because Christianity is lived out in relationship. If it stays in your head and never makes it to your life, it's wasted. How we treat each other validates our faith or not. we are focusing on the wrong stuff. I really believe that. I believe Christianity in general. I know that's a big sweeping statement. But it just seems like we are so focused on on what everybody else needs to do to correct their behavior. And we are focused on, you know, maybe even increasing our knowledge of what the Bible says. And, and I'm not saying that any of that's invalid. What I'm saying is is if we would focus more on who we are and what we need to do and and our relationship with the Lord and how that should impact how we treat each other, then I feel like we're gonna start gaining some traction. And then I feel like we're gonna start developing better relationships with each other. So, two weeks ago, I took the staff to a conference and uh, Um, There were 10 of us. And so we ended up, just to save money, rented a house. So we rented this really nice six-bedroom home in this really nice community, and it was almost about a third of what it would cost to get five hotel rooms. And so we pulled into the neighborhood, and it was a brand-new neighborhood, and so the address actually didn't show up on Google Maps. It was such a brand-new neighborhood. So... Um, there was some vague information on where the house is. And so it's like 930 at night, it's pitch black dark, and I've got a van full of 10 of us, and we pull into the, the, the guard station, and I give him the address where we're supposed to be staying, and he's like, okay, you know, and, and so then I'm looking at this email that I get with directions, and it doesn't seem to match where I think the house is. So we, we turn right, then we take our second right, and the house is going to be on the left, right? That's what the instructions say. So I'm looking and we're going, looking at the picture. That looks kind of close. Let's give it a shot. So there's a sign in the front yard that says private residence. <laughs> so we pull up, knock on the door, nothing. I'm like, well, it's got a combination lock. They told me the combination was 1280. One, two, eight, zero. Door's open. All right, come on. This is this house. This is the house. Come on, everybody. So it's six bedrooms, right? So we all pick our rooms out, and the, the paint schemes in the rooms didn't look the same. But we're like, hey, it's a management company. They just put us in maybe a different house, something like that. So Thursday morning, we get a knock at the door. We're getting ready to leave, and this little lady says, um, I'm here to clean the house. I'm like, oh, no, we're here till tomorrow. Oh really? Okay. So she's very kind, leaves. We get a call like 30 minutes later from the management company. She goes, Um, what house are you in? I said, I don't know. <laughs> Let me go check. So I go outside, it's nine zero three nine. She goes, Ho ho ho, you're supposed to be in nine zero zero one. It was a nice house. No one seemed to mind us being there. I'm like, okay. So what does that mean? She's like, um, can you be out in 30 minutes? The owner's coming this afternoon. <laughs> we sure can. <laughs> Not a problem. Everybody pack up. We got to get out of here in 30 minutes. So we scramble, get in the van, and we go to 9001. And it was the another six bedroom house and the door was on the correct side and this was only a single car garage just like the picture showed (laughs) all right but it was still one two eight zero (laughs) that's what i'm saying so like i called the lady and i'm like how come it goes well we have similar combinations for each i'm like that's not a good thing that's that's really not a good idea. And I'm not going to tell you where it was because you'll probably go try the door. But so here's what's even funnier. So this has nothing to do with the message. The story doesn't really either. But so we are coming back that night. We've been gone all day. And it's like 10 o'clock. And John goes, I left my jacket at the other house. Can I go by and check? I'm like, sure. So we pull up in the driveway. He's knocking. He's knocking. No answer, one, two, eight, zero. <laughs> he goes on in the house. I'm like, if we hear a gunshot, we're out of here. We're, we don't know this guy, and anyway. We were, we were enjoying our stay. We were just in the wrong place, right? And it was gonna cause some issues. And so I think in our relationships, so often we feel like we got it right because we're right. Like we feel like we're in good shape because, because we are smart enough to know that that this is what makes relationships work. And I'm just asking you to maybe pack up what you thought you knew about what it takes and set it aside and maybe unpack a little bit about what God is gonna say about the importance of your relationships and where your focus needs to be in your relationships. Last week we learned that really, you can only change you. As much as you want to nag and guilt and complain and get angry, changing somebody else is very unlikely. And so focus on what God is trying to do in your own life and change yourself, and it'll make a difference in your relationship. This week, what I'd love to see happen is if you could understand what your relationship with the Lord is all about and then how that impacts your relationships, I think that it's going to free you But more importantly, it's going to free the other person in that relationship from being what you think they need to be for you because they can't be what God can be for you. And if you will focus on your relationship with the Lord, then it's going to make your relationship with somebody else that much sweeter. The term one another appears over 100 times in the New Testament. 47 of those times... It is directly associated with the church, like us. Sixty percent of those 47, one another's, were written by the Apostle Paul. And in Ephesians, where we were last week and we still are today, you see Paul addressing almost every single type of relationship that we are going to run into. So we're in chapter 5, and last week we got into like pretty much just the first phrase of the first verse, okay? So we're going to get a little further than that today. We're almost going to get done with verse 2. Almost. And then... What we're going to find here, I think, is, is as, as we look at that introduction in, in Ephesians chapter 5, from that point on, through the middle of chapter 6, Paul deals with the relationships of a husband and wife. He deals with the relationships of, of uh, children and parents. He deals with our relationships with each other. He deals with our relationship with the Lord, and he deals with the, the master-servant relationship. In today's context, that would be, you know, boss and, and employee. So he deals with all these different kind of relationships and what he's doing here at the beginning of chapter five is setting the ground rules. He is saying, all right, we're about to get into all these different types of relationships, and I'm setting the ground rules here. And the first thing he said, and we learned this last week, he said, be followers of God. Now, the, verse we, the, the, the reference that we used last week was the same thing. It was just a different version, and it said, be imitators of God. So be followers of God as dear children. Then he goes on in verse 2, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and has given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So I'm going to pull Out of this passage right here, what I believe are three relationship instructions that we can find in just that short piece that Paul just gave us. And here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that it will shift how you feel about the other person. I'm hoping that it will shift where you focus your need to get stuff from in a relationship because here's the first one and this is this is going to show you the very first relationship instruction that i see here is that your primary relationship role is as a child of god so i know you love her i know that you love him i know that you have to work with that person i know that that you're in this relationship but whatever your depth of relationship is with whoever it is that is not your primary relationship role Your primary relationship role is as a child of God. Now here's what I would love for you to mentally do. I would love to take all of your relationships and move them down to the bottom shelf. And I would love for you to take your relationship with the Lord and put it up on the top shelf. Like this is my focus. I am a child of God of God and if I am a child of God then that relationship then trickles down and it affects all of my other relationships and if I take that relationship with God and I stick it here and I put my relationship with my wife up here everything is going to be cattywampus. everything's going to be out of order and there's no way that my wife is ever going to meet the needs that only God can meet for me. And there's no way. I don't, care. I don't care what relationship you're in. That other individual is not capable of meeting your needs other than a superficial level. And here's the thing. We are looking for relationships all the time that will do that. And I truly believe that it's that search that we have, that, that desire to meet those needs that get us into all kinds of problems. When we just, If we would just realize that our primary role is as a child of God. I love it here. He says, be followers of God as dear children. That relationship takes priority over and then influences all other relationships that you have our relationship with God becomes the primary focus of our life. And in turn, we're gonna discover this, and I love this so much, that God becomes your greatest love. He becomes your greatest friend. Look at this. He becomes your surest help, and he becomes your biggest fan. I believe that. When you focus your life on, on the relationship role that you have with God, that he is my father, and I'm his child, and that is your primary focus. As you go through your day, that's what you're focused on, then he is for you everything that nobody else can be. And you stop looking to the other person to meet that need for you that only he can fill. When God is all you need, then you have all that you need to give. So not only do you relieve that other person from the stress of having to try and fill your needs, you are now filled with what is needed to help them. God loves you. And here's what I love so much about this. He loves you now. He loved you before you ever knew him. And he loved you so much before you ever knew him that he was willing to send his son to die to win you back to have a relationship with you again knowing that you could say no. We have free will. And he was willing to take that risk. That's how much he loves you. And here's the thing. He... He loved you not only when you were unlovable, but even now when you're unlovable. That's the kind of love that we're talking about. So how does that benefit my relationships with with my friend, with my my spouse, with my my children? How does that benefit me? When God is all you need, then you have all you need to give into that relationship. Look what Peter says in in Peter chapter 1. He says, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Your relationship role is all about you being a child of God. And let me just tell you right now, if that's all you get out of this message, I'd be really happy. But as long as you remember that when you walked out of here as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a child, as a friend, as a coworker, God has given you those relationships. But your primary role in, any, in all your relationship is that as a child of God. So, so you're single. You haven't found her yet. You haven't found him yet. If your primary relationship role is as a child of God, you can enjoy that relationship until God brings the right one. And now you're not desperate to make a bad decision because you think that one is going to answer all your problems. And then you find out you just got a bigger one because they're not capable of meeting that innermost need that you have like God can. Not only that, but your primary relationship directive we see here is to walk in love. That's what we are called to do. And walk in love as Christ has loved us. And here's, so the, so the word walk there is the word peripateo in the Greek. It's made up of two words. The first word is para, which means around. The second word pateo literally means to walk. So the idea is that, is that everywhere you're walking, however you're walking, whatever you're walking around, all of that is supposed to be inf- infected with love and should be affected by the love that you share. So every, in every part of your life, Every relationship you have ought to be affected and infected by the love that you bring into the situation. Look at it this way. Here's here's a couple things. Everywhere you go should be influenced by his love. Everywhere you go. Not only that, everything you do should reflect his love. Not only that, everyone you meet should experience his love. That's the idea, everything you do, everywhere you go, everyone you meet ought to have this influence from the love of God. And the love that we're talking about here is called agape love, there's different kinds of love there's different words for love in the greek and there's 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 phileo love which is like yeah we're brothers right that's a brotherly love like philadelphia phileo the city of brotherly love that's 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 uh, that's that's just a surface like i'm i have a lot of um, I have a I compassion for you. We treat each other well. We're like brothers. That's a brotherly love. Then you have eros, which is a more um, uh, physical, satisfy my my lustful desires kind of a love. And then you have agape love, which is just this beautiful, beautiful, heartfelt. I am here for you. This is a godlike love. It literally means an outpouring or a love feast on somebody. Like you are, you, are, you are actually doing stuff for them, not just feeling good about them. That's the type of love that we're supposed to bring with us in our relationships. And here's what I love. If you read the rest of that verse, it says here that, that when Christ died, it was a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. And the love of Christ through us leaves a fragrance in the room. Just just think of that word picture, that the love of Christ in us leaves a fragrance in the room and on the life and in the heart of all of those who experience it. Now, I don't know what your normal day looks like. I don't know who you interact with. I don't know what restaurants you go to. I don't know what stores you visit. I don't know who you talk to during the day. But according to this, whatever relationships you have, as you are walking in love and you are giving yourself to God for the benefit of other people, it makes a difference in their life. And it's like you're leaving the fragrance of the love of Christ everywhere you go. We all want love. We all want to be loved but we are commanded here to demonstrate his love wherever we go. And the bar is set pretty high because here's the third thing here, and that is our primary relationship example <laughs> is Jesus. And that's a pretty high bar. And walk in love as Christ also loved us and has given himself for us An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Jesus had nothing to gain in this relationship except you. You really didn't bring anything to the table here. But he loved you well. And he loved you enough to die. Matthew 20, verse 28 says this, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. I love the structure of verse 2 in chapter 5. But the idea here is that God was satisfied that Jesus Christ gave himself for your benefit but he was given himself to his heavenly father. Let me read this portion of the verse again to you very quickly. It says this, that Christ also loved us and have given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling savor. So here's my point. He gave himself to his father for our benefit. So, so... here's Here's what I would love for you to get a hold of. If I am primarily a child of God, and that is my primary role, and I get what I need out of my relationship with God, then I am able to give to other people what they need, but I'm really giving to the Lord. It's for your benefit, but I'm giving it to the Lord. So that means this. That means that even if you don't reciprocate, I'm giving this to the Lord, not you. Even if you don't love me back the way that I think you ought to love me, even if you don't buy my dinner next time, I am to love you well. Like I am supposed to love you because I'm really loving God by loving you. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, like I, am, I am giving myself to God for your benefit. You're part of the equation here, but it's not all about you. So what I love about this so much is that God can reciprocate. And when I'm doing this for the Lord and when I'm giving myself to God for your benefit, and when I am, when it shows you the depth of my love, when I load my own coffee cup in the dishwasher, I am I'm giving myself to my wife for her benefit, but I'm loving the Lord? That's a really crappy example. I don't have a lot to draw from. I take what I can. I'm I'm just saying, like, like it it is so important for the health of your relationship that you do what you do as to the Lord. Not because they're gonna make you feel better. Not because they're going to reciprocate. So here's what this means. It means, first of all, you are called to love God by loving them. That's a pretty big deal. There's a couple instances in Matthew where Jesus said this. He said that that as you receive a child in my name, you receive me. There's another instance where he said, when you give a cup of cold water, it's like you're giving it to me. When you clothe the naked, when you house the homeless, it's like you're doing it for me. When you visit somebody in prison, it's like you're visiting me. It it is this incredible transference. Like, I'm doing it here but I'm doing it for there like I am I am doing this for this person's benefit but I'm doing it to God and that makes all the difference in the world here's some eye-opening verses you say you say Eric you don't understand the person that I'm involved in a relationship with you don't understand my coworker You don't know what kind of boss I have. My mom is unreasonable or my husband is unloving. They are not who I need them to be. That's because you are viewing them as your primary relationship. When God is your primary relationship and you get what you need from the Lord, it's no longer the responsibility of that other person to benefit you this way. Now, I will say this. It makes for a much healthier relationship. If both of you are inputting in here, but it's not up to them to meet the needs that only God can meet in your life. Here's what John says in John chapter, 1 John chapter 4, and I would encourage you to read this whole chapter. It says this, If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? How do I love somebody that doesn't love me? How do I love somebody that is not kind to me? How do I love somebody who hurt me consistently over the years? How do I love somebody who has damaged me? Your primary relationship role is a child of God. Somebody said to me after the service, and I love it so much, you can love people well, but you don't have to like them all. I think that's all right, right? You can love them well, but you don't have to like who they are. But that doesn't mean you don't love them. Yeah, a lot of people just breathe a sigh of relief there. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. That's heavy stuff. But you are called to love God by loving them. And second, your efforts matter. Even though they may not see it, (laughs) even though you may not see a change, it impacts eternity what you are doing. They may never change. But it matters to you, it matters to God, and it matters to them, and it matters to those who are watching. If you're in an unloving relationship, it matters to your children how you are interacting. It matters to co-workers. It matters to the people who are watching your life And when your primary relationship role is with your heavenly father and you are his child, and that is a fulfilling relationship, I'm not saying it's not going to hurt to be involved with somebody who doesn't love well, but you're not dependent upon them to make you feel good about yourself because you are a child of God and that's in your brain and that's in your mind and that's what you think about all the time and that ministers to your heart like nothing else. Please know that the efforts that you're putting forth in this relationship make a difference. They matter. And thirdly, you are not alone. You are a child of God. Hear me, please. You are seen. You're noticed. God is watching what's going on and God knows what's happening in your life. You are in a meaningful relationship with the Lord. And I believe this, when one person in a relationship lives as a child of God and walks in love and gives themselves to God for the benefit of the other, God can work a miracle in their life. But if it doesn't happen, You're still the child of God and if it doesn't happen it still matters and you're not alone. I want to encourage you this morning not because they're going to change but because God never does and let's just pack up and move. Let's get to the right house. Right? Let's decide that this relationship is not where we are going to be. Re- this, is, this is not what we're going to rely upon to meet all of our needs. We're just not, gonna, we're just not going to depend upon that. We are going to focus on my primary relationship, and that is as a child of God. God and you. God and you. The next week we'll talk about Us working this out. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the example of Christ. Thank you for the hope that you give us, that you see everything and that you are, you are a part of this and you love them more than we do. And Father, we are looking to you and we desperately as your children cry out to you. Not just to be heard, but to become who we are to be. Help us to be a partner with you in this relationship. Thank you for your consistent love. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your provision. Help us to live in that and dwell in that in these relationships that we have here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.